Can you just can we just practice your Elizabeth Holmes before we start? You mean Romy? Yeah. <laughs> the joke is that she's an inventor, but she invented post-its because she's Romy. <laughs> At first, I thought she was Buffalo Bill from Science of the Lambs, uh-huh, uh-huh. and I'm not going to say that line because it's so goddamn scary and creepy. Um, during the trailer, I thought she was Buffalo Bill, and then when I listened, I was like, "Oh, hey, girl, hey, Romy." <laughs> I'd much rather hang out with Romy and Michelle than this seemingly eight-hour movie. Julia Pensavale! Patrick Hines! <laughs> Julia Pensavale! Patrick Hines! Ooh, shaking it up a little bit, hey. Before we get to the episode, just a reminder, you guys, our Pride show is almost sold out. I know. June 29th, New York City, the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. If you don't know what that is, come and find out. Mm -hmm. We are covering the definitive documentary on the Stonewall riots. We've hired drag queens. I cannot wait. Yeah. Come join us. You guys, our Patreon. (gasps) Here we go, you guys. Is it still gangbusters? It's still gangbusters. We are... Almost done with making a murderer. We're getting through it because we're we're dying to get to Lorena. Lorena is oh, next. Oh, look! I mean, I just cannot, not. We're not even stopping the car. I know the car's going straight, full stop to Lorena o'clock. What? I, what? <laughs> you guys, if you want more of us, just go to our Patreon. You get our episode by episode coverage of Serial Season One, The Staircase, The Jinx, Making a Murderer, our live show videos, yes. and the podcast version. Yep, and our earlier episodes yeah. of like, Madonna's Truth or Dare and The Queen of Versailles. Yeah. And and then just like some hangouts. Yeah. We just like hung out. Actually, lots of hangouts. Yeah, we just turned the recorder on. It's hey, true. girl, we should do that again sometime. <laughs> you guys, it's like 82 episodes of stuff. That's That you get instantly. In- you get it right, right the away. second you, the, you sign up. Uh, lastly, you guys, we would love it if you would take a quick second, review us on iTunes. I've been saying this a lot. We make a fun but kind of like unique podcast. Mm-hmm. If you take one minute to go to Apple Podcasts and write the one thing that you love about our podcast, it would mean the world to me. Yeah. You guys make me cry. So you can make me cry the gayest. <laughs> That's the loudest. Yeah. Is what that means, right? Transla- Thank you for translating from gay to podcast. And the sobs just like glitter comes out. <laughs> no, there's glitter. <laughs> there's glitter. Girl, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the inventor and Elizabeth Holmes, who's a big scammer, and I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Here's the thing I gotta say. This documentary was over my head. You guys, we are not going to get bogged down in like the science of this because it was so, that part of it was so boring to me. Although it was Steve's favorite part. Of course it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a lot to say and like none of it has to do with science. Right. <laughs> what do you dream for? That less people have to say goodbye too soon to people they love. I had heard about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. But, you know, her story is so compelling. She was going to herald a revolution in medical treatment in this country. It was obviously such an incredible story. A woman creating this $9 billion company. Everyone worshipped the ground she walked on. She could do no wrong. She was the next Steve Jobs. The idea with the Edison was to stick the lab inside the box. She wanted Edison devices in every home in America. This could be the apple of healthcare. You all are part of something that is going to change our world. What higher purpose is there? Elizabeth came to me, and she described her idea. It's impossible, physically. Elizabeth was lying about the accuracy of the blood tests. It's all a show. She didn't want anybody to see what was going on in there. We don't need to explain ourselves to competitive companies. 
She aligned herself with very powerful men who succumbed to a certain charm. She was deceiving investors to the tune of $400 million. It comes back to fake it until you make it. There was definitely something going on behind the scenes. She had bulletproof glass on their windows. Anything I typed was watched. It was very scary. Like, what are they trying to hide? The mantra in Silicon Valley is move fast, break things. That's not the way you approach science that's going to be impacting people's lives. Quite frankly, people can die. It snowballed into this crazy situation. In a panic, I went and bought a burner phone. I called the Wall Street Journal. What is coming out of her mouth is not reality. She never thought she had any limits. She was going to conquer the world. This was real lunacy. Can you tell us a secret? I don't have many secrets. I'm... Girl, get us started. I already have a grammar issue. <laughs> Steve, sweetheart, this one's for you. I already have a thing. That Mike, super honest with Mike, also pointed out in the trailer when uh-huh. we listened to it, when you played it at the end of the last episode. Yep. So we open with her like being asked what she wants for 2025. Uh-huh. And she's like, that, uh, that less people have to say goodbye too soon. And Mike and I were both like, fewer. I was thinking that's a Fewer people. Here's the thing. I make grammatical mistakes all the time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I also didn't scam people out of $400 million and like <laughs> lie to them about their syphilis results. So I feel like maybe There's I can def- drag her. So I'm allowed to correct your grammar, among other things, sweetheart. Get that hair out of that turtleneck. Get it out. Get it out. If there's one hair in any... I don't wear turtlenecks, but if there's one hair in 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 one thing under my shirt or in my collar, it's like, what the fuck is that? Get that out of there. Here's the thing. I want to say this, that like a lot of people are saying that it's like not cool to comment on her look or her voice. and like, Her voice I, is fake. Yeah, so but that's why I think it's okay to comment on it I because agree. it's completely put on and like they don't get into it in this documentary, but in other podcasts and other stuff, like there are people who know her who know that she doesn't sound like that. Well, she would get hammered and then the voice would drop. So yeah, that's it's all part of this persona that she has been using to trick people. Yeah, and I want to point out that I watched this like one and a half times. The first time I watched it, I was under her spell a little bit. Like she's a little bit weird, she's a little bit out there, but I kind of love those people. Well, here's the thing. I don't think she's warm or genuine or charming by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you're not her target audience. We'll get into that in a minute. Right, because I'm not Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> right. Thank God. Like, Hear a bell for me. <laughs> um, but there's a point in the documentary for, for the first however many minutes where you think, like, she she really does want something for the greater good. Like, yeah. maybe she's just telling a couple lies, but then a couple things happen, and I'm like, oh, bitch, no, 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 no. <laughs> so we learned from the very beginning, if you guys didn't sit through this documentary or know anything about Elizabeth Holmes, so in 2014, she moves this company, Theranos, that she's created yeah. to Silicon Valley. But the company at one point was valued at $9 billion. Yeah. And then four years later, the narrator tells us it was worth less than nothing. Ooh, burn. <laughs> it's just, it's totally like a Silicon Valley play. It's just every stereotype there possibly is, which she really fed into. She loved it. That's what she wanted. Yes. Some people take a path trying to do positive things for the world, right? There's no nobody questions that her motives were were positive, but end up being something bad. How do we react to this? You can look at her at the end and say, how could she do this? But I think that would miss the point if you don't understand the journey. If you look at her from the beginning, 
it would be a cautionary tale about all of us. Here, here's what she wants to do. She, she maintains that the idea of getting your blood drawn, look. Yeah, I know. That <laughs> terrifies me. Yeah, yeah. So Elizabeth's whole goal, which is great in theory, is that, you know that little finger prick? Yeah. All you need is that finger prick, right. and everything could be detected much early on. So when she says this thing about, like, you know, fewer people have to say goodbye before it's too soon, what she's saying is all of these diseases or whatever can be caught very, very early, and then you can maybe go into treatment, and you can also know more about your own health care. Right, 100%. The right to protect the health and well-being of every person, of those we love, is a basic human right. Over the course of the last 11 years, we've made it possible to run comprehensive laboratory tests from a few drops of blood that could be taken from a finger. And we've made it possible to eliminate the tubes and tubes of blood that traditionally have to be drawn from an arm and replaced it with the nanotainer. So we meet Roger Parloff from Fortune magazine. This poor guy goes through it. Over really, the- by the end of it, he's I- like cursing and sweating and crying. <laughs> and I love it. But this is a journalist that put Elizabeth Holmes on the front cover of Fortune magazine. She was the first woman to be on the cover of that magazine. It was a big deal. I mean, like, Also, this- it took them that long to put a woman on the cover of Fortune. I- <laughs> Come on, Fortune. Get it together. So this journalist from Fortune magazine was invited out to Silicon Valley. Like the first real big interview she's going to give. It was obviously such an incredible story. The 19-year-old, the dropout, a woman creating this $9 billion innovative company. When she was talking about some subject other than diagnostic testing, she was very unprepossessing, very ingenuous. When she began to talk about the mission or the, uh, you know, her business, then there was a shift and, and she became very, very focused, very intense, firm control of all the facts. No question surprised her. Um, Very impressive uh, and very idealistic. So now we meet Ken Aletta from The New Yorker. He's another journalist. Like, it's The New Yorker. Like, he he also is interested in covering her. I love him. I had heard about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, a woman executive in the male-dominated Silicon Valley who was starting a company with some real potential social good. I write a lot about disruption, and Theranos was aimed to be a disruptor of the established ways of doing things, the established inefficient and expensive ways of doing things. And she was going to herald a revolution in medical treatment in this country. New Yorker Ken, as I call him. Yeah. He's saying that, like, this industry needs disrupting. There are only two companies in this industry. It's Quest and LabCorp. And they control 80% of the market. And all of their pricing is, like, outrageous. Everything is expensive. They're not accountable to anybody. So the idea that this, like, young, fiery, smart woman wants to come in and, like, make all of this stuff affordable, he welcomes it. Right. To, like, seemingly help you understand your healthcare better. Like, it all sounds pretty great. Exactly. Like most cults. (laughs) At first, it's all like, really, what's the problem? Problem. Come on, let's give them a chance. The, the great thing is that these journalists are very good at what they do. Yeah. So everything's recorded. Right. So we have her, like, you hear them saying, like, all right, I'm recording you. It's on the record until you tell me it's not. Let's go, whether it's at the Chinese right. restaurant or whatever. Totally. So we have her in her own words and fake voice yeah. saying this. <laughs> 
And so he's kind of like baiting her a little bit because uh, she wants to be Steve Jobs, right. which is totally fine. Um, and she dresses like him with the black turtleneck and the black pants and the blazer. And yeah. she's like, you know, it's because I don't have to think about what I'm wearing. I mean, she's just she's just so busy. Right. You <laughs> idiots actually care about what you wear. And I don't. I, I don't have time to brush my stupid hair, my fried hair. I just keep it right in my turtleneck. And so <laughs> this woman lives in a apartment. Basically, she called her apartment a mattress. The only thing in the refrigerator was bottled water. She ate all the meals at the office. She slept four hours a day. She worked in the office till midnight or thereabouts. Yes, do you date? No, I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm married to Theranos. We get it. You're busy. Oh, God. Can you imagine being that insufferable at 19? <laughs> Everyone we know in our early 20s is super, it's like everyone, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Right. Can you imagine being a 19-year-old kid? No. Well, speaking of insufferable, we get this, like, video of her addressing her staff. This is, she had, like, they have, like, summits, like, for themselves. It's these self-congratulatory, I'm so glad you brought this up. I like, know. we're making a podcast about this thing. It's true. So she's literally standing there, like, in a black hoodie, telling her staff. Enter neck, she- enter neck, enter neck. <laughs> Come on. She didn't have a closet full of 50 turtlenecks for you to call it a hoodie, Patrick. Whatever it is. Her life's work. Right. She's standing there saying, she's just like off the cuff mentioning how she just had lunch with the president of Brazil. And how like the president of Brazil invited all these really smart people like Mark Zuckerberg, the guys from Google. Yeah, she's like the Google guys, the Uber Uber guys, guys. the Airbnb guys. Basically, she invite this president invited them there to shame them into not being her. And she says the strategic priority of Brazil is to get access to low-cost diagnostics that can facilitate early detection and prevention. And, and she kept on doing this for like an hour and a half. And so, of course, I'm trying to, you know, be humble, but I'm... I'm trying to stay humble, LOL, LOL. And everyone's like, yeah! And I'm like, oh, even if you believe in what she's saying, she looks like a dick up there. <laughs> That's... Kind of the best description I've ever heard. I have to acknowledge that I probably would have been under her spell. If I'm not her demographic, you're not. So tell me why you would be under her spell and I wouldn't be. I feel like if I met her at a bar, I'd be into her. I'd be like, she's weird. She's got this fake voice. I kind of love her hair. That lipstick really pops. You get, that lipstick does not pop. Um, <laughs> you'd, you'd give her like a SoCo and Lime shot and just see if the voice changed. And then you'd be like, girl, tell me about the voice. It's just me and you here, right? <laughs> Tell me about the voice. What is that? Is that like a thing from your childhood or like that? Can you imagine if her voice was higher than mine? Look, I bet it is. It's so cartoonishly low. It it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and it's that- fake, everybody. Don't come for us. If you haven't listened to the other podcast yeah. or Googled her and gave her a Goog, excuse me. Um, <laughs> oh, it's I mean, fake. What does that word even mean? I know. Uh, it's fake. Now we meet young Queen Erica. Look, she is a queen. Erica Chang, she's a lab assistant. She is. Or was. Yeah. Former lab assistant. Where's that shade with the lower third? You know we love former, like former campaign manager. Ooh, why? (laughs) Erica is here to tell her tale, let me tell you. Yeah, Erica, we're just getting a soft introduction. Erica, take it away. When I first met her, I thought she was really interesting. It was was hard to really get a sense of who she was. But in a a way, I felt I idolized her in so many ways for... Being a woman in the sciences, being a woman in tech, the fact that she started her own company, that really got me excited. All right, we'll come back to you, girl. Yeah, yeah, because we're back to the summit. Yeah. Elizabeth talks about, like, how she's going to change the world. Girl, she's up on that stage clapping for herself. (laughs) How about those for some claps? (laughs) Clapping for herself up there. How, is that her trying to stay humble? What was it like with the president of Brazil at lunch with Mark Zuckerberg? So just for real quick, yeah. there's audio from one of her Brazilian interviews, and she's talking about like why she's so great. 
for the hundredth time. And she's talking about, she's like, you know, the first uh, kind of amazing idea I had was uh, this time machine I designed when I was seven. <laughs> and then, like, she kind of fades off and it never happens. But I'm telling you, yeah. to quote Queen Susan Simpson, dollars to donuts. <laughs> Present day Elizabeth Holmes truly thinks that that time machine is a real thing that can actually happen. And then we get like 20 minutes of how like her science works. Oh, and I was like, guess what? It's fucking complicated. Next. Yeah, next. And the thing right. is like she dropped out of Stanford. She doesn't come from a medical background. She's trying to like change the healthcare game and right. the medical game. She's not a doctor. <laughs> that becomes very clear eventually. Well, let's talk to Queen Dr. Phyllis Gardner, your excellency. She's the tenured professor of medicine at Stanford. And you know what she's not? Here, Here for, for your shit. shit. <laughs> yes. You guys, we didn't even practice that. Oh, uh, we can finish each other's sandwiches. So she's like, look, I've been on the board of tons of companies, okay? I've started tons of companies, you know. I started on the faculty here in 1984. I'm currently a tenured professor. And I was on boards of companies, many private and public companies. And I started a couple of companies. So I tend to be sought out by kids who have an interest in business. And people have made fortunes. Students, young people, turn into multimillionaires. Kids, these idiots, <laughs> these young people, they're multimillionaires because of me. That's her whole vibe. She like says as an aside, like a Shakespearean aside, right. she goes, It makes for an odd morality. Yeah, she's like, gotta tell you, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan of 19-year-old billionaires. <laughs> also, Phyllis, stop giving them advice. <laughs> Then, if you're not a fan. Well, so so speaking of, Elizabeth Holmes comes to see her with this idea. She wanted to incorporate microfluidics and nanotechnology into a patch where you could sample the blood and detect an infection and then at that point deliver antibiotics through it. Well, you can't do that. It's impossible, physically. Antibiotics are not potent. You cannot do that. There's a reason you have a big IV bag. Okay. So I said, I, Elizabeth, that's fun, but I don't think that's going to work. And she's like, actually, no, girl. That's she's not like, possible. These drawings are very pretty, sweetheart. <laughs> but this is physically impossible. Yeah. Dr. Phyllis is like, Elizabeth comes back two more times, and she's like, girl, you're not listening. And she's like, I can't help you. The one weird thing she says, though, she's like, well, you're not listening to me tell you that this thing that you want to do is physically impossible, but I'm going to take you to find somebody else to talk to. Well, Phyllis, me- why? So she sends him to this guy, Channing Robertson. He's the head of like the science department at Stanford. Not anymore, because he left his job to work for her. He was tenured. Channing Robinson, the head of the science department at Stanford leaves his tenure position to work for her. He just thought this woman was something special, you know, gazing into her eyes and realizing that he was talking to the next Steve Jobs or or Bill Gates. There were some other names mentioned during the course of our conversation, like Archimedes. Okay. I had to give Archimedes a goog. I still don't fully understand who he is. I was like, I guess he was into math or something. Something. He was in love with her. Yeah. You guys, we are going to get to this. These men, she gets them under her spell. She is a, a cold robot. I don't understand like how all of the men that we meet, I'm just like, do you think the strippers like you too, dude? You're giving them money. Right. Like, they don't actually like you. So... Speaking of men, Elizabeth Holmes raised hundreds of millions of dollars just based on her story and like her gumption, her moxie. (laughs) And no one, according to the documentary, nobody looked at any audited financial statements. Yeah, we get this whole 
monologue about how early investors don't usually do that. They usually just go with their gut. No, they go with the hot chick. I'm sorry. They were all into her. They were all into her. So we get this. They tell us about this board of directors. I know about one out of six of these people who they are. And guess what? You care about zero. Right. (laughs) General Mattis, who was former CENTCOM commander, is one of our board members. Dick Kovacevic, who is the former CEO of Wells Fargo, is another. Sam Nunn has done some incredible work on nuclear threats as well as bio threats. Bill Perry, former Secretary of Defense. Henry Kissinger, former Secretary of State. And George Schultz, who was Secretary of State and Labor and Secretary of Treasury. Basically what she did was she surrounded herself by these really powerful and important men. And lonely. You forgot lonely. <laughs> and like and oh. horny. They're creepy old men. They're like <laughs> horny old men who you're just like, ah. Honestly, if you go to any person with this like really altruistic vision of like making healthcare affordable to people, why wouldn't they be on your, you've raised $9 billion. Why wouldn't they be on your board? Right. Well, then there's this one dummy. I don't even know which one it is. But his actual reasoning was like, well, she has no experience whatsoever and she knows nothing. But her great, 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 great grandfather was an entrepreneur and her uncle had a hospital named after him that one time. So that's really all I need to know. That mixes business and medicine. Bada big, bada boot, write the check. Let's go. I'll give you cash. You accept cash. There's $900 million in cash. I'm like, that's your, because her great, 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 great grandfather was an entrepreneur and her uncle, her great uncle had a hospital named after him. She's not a doctor. She's a 19-year-old dropout who doesn't know anything about science. And who doesn't, who like talked to one woman once and was like, this isn't working i'm gonna go find the men who spoke to the one woman she should have spoken to right. who's like sweetheart these jongs are pretty but it's not happening 100 i was just like uh, i'm gonna go to the guys right. dude <laughs> is, there a, is there is there a low-cut turtleneck <laughs> i can wear these idiots you guys enter tyler schultz can we have a moment of silence for his face <laughs> steve texted me oh with, you guys are in love with him yeah i steve, didn't know where that was going yeah <laughs> i was like tyler he's the young one right what's the problem with him Tyler is like an important player, and we'll get to that later, but basically he met Elizabeth at his grandfather's house. Right, and his grandfather is just a a refresher. George Schultz. Right. Basically, like, Tyler was really into the vision of Theranos. Yeah, I was totally gung-ho about Theranos. I was really excited about what she was talking about. I really wanted to know what the technology was. Um, And I actually asked her in that meeting if I could intern there over the summer. I said, "Do do you guys take interns? Like, I want to work on this. This sounds amazing. So this is where we start to see the cracks in her story. Because it's in one of the interviews with, like, New Yorker Ken or whatever, he insists on finally seeing this Edison machine. Right. So this is, like, the big thing that Theranos makes. It's it's from one prick of blood, 200 blood tests in, like, a matter of minutes. And the Edison, you would say how, I mean, it's small enough. Like, she wants it to be in every house in America. So it's not this big contraption. It looks like a copying machine. Yeah, it looks like a printer or something. And this is actually a pivotal moment because she, like agrees to it, but he's not allowed to write about it or talk about it. She like, But like takes him downstairs to prove that it exists. Right. And she takes him back into where the machine is and he basically just asks her what it does and she starts to explain it and he writes in his article that her description of what this machine does is, quote, comically vague. And then he, we hear some of the audio of her explaining it and it literally sounds like Romy explaining post-its. Yeah. Chemistry. Uh, is performed, so a chemical reaction occurs and generates a signal from the chemical interaction with the sample, which is then translated into a result. Which is then reviewed by certified 
laboratory personnel. End quote. She added that, thanks to, quote, miniaturization and associated automation that we're able to handle these tiny samples. So then we meet Sonny. Sonny is the president and COO of Theranos. He's an expert in software and IT. He was very deferential. They were together. He was the one that would like enforce the rules. People were afraid of him. Right. And he gets super creepy. But like he was 49 and she was 30 and they were clearly in a romantic relationship. And he was just like, she's the most important inventor of our times. (laughs) You're just like, really? Really? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And so they're, they're flying all over the world, like pitching Theranos and that little, and the Edison blood test. Machine. One company, Walgreens, loved the pitch. In this 2010 PowerPoint, Theranos showcased an early version of Edison, a portable blood testing machine that could be deployed in pharmacies all over the world. Theranos boasted the device could eliminate the need for a lab by doing up to 200 tests in minutes from a fingerprint drop of capillary blood. It wasn't true then, but once Walgreens signed a contract, Theranos struggled to make it true, constantly changing the machine's color, shape, and mechanics. Strangely, Walgreens never looked inside any version of the magic box to see if it could deliver what Theranos promised. Walgreens fell for it. Yeah. They didn't want to, like, get their eyes on it and see, like, so what does this do exactly? They just signed contracts. It's so insane to me that just based on this woman talking... It's so weird. They just believed her. It's so, like... I don't get it. But then Dave, an engineer. It's so funny. I stopped writing down their names because we meet all these like engineers and scientists. Biochemists. I just have like cutie one, cutie two. They're all like Dave, Douglas. They're all the same. Um, So all that stuff that you just said, right? The 200 labs and everything. So then they meet one of cutie number two or whoever it is. Yeah, cutie number whatever. Yeah. The the filmmaker's like, so based on what she was promising and what the reality was, like how different was it? And the guy actually, like he might as well have done a spit take. Yeah. He's just like, it didn't work. (laughs) You think it worked? What are you new here? It didn't work. How would you say it was working in terms of the vision versus the reality? (laughs) Uh, Poorly. (laughs) We couldn't regulate temperature very well. We couldn't reproducibly transfer fluids. We had all sorts of design changes constantly that we were trying to fight against. So it was a comedy of errors in a lot of ways. Well, but then, okay, you guys, this is the most insane part of the whole thing. These cuties, number one through ten, are (laughs) are telling us about what it was actually like to work with these Edison machines. It is actually terrifying and completely unsafe. And and, and hazardous. It's hazardous to your health. You're handling a lot of fluid in the machine. Things got blood spilled all over them and got gunky. Some of the donors that we had were, you know, just people off the street who need money. And I imagine that, you know, there probably was a fair amount of hepatitis and and things like that. And the device would freeze up in the middle of running a test, and then I would have to reach in there with my hand. There were needles within the device that could puncture skin and there's reagents and blood and everything spilling all over the place so it's like a box right it's a box that you can't see into you would have to put your hand in and just hope against hope that the needle wouldn't come down and prick you the blood stab stab. you mean stab Stab. you and then you would see like broken blood vials yeah just like glass stabby things everywhere and the blood would spill within the machine yeah it was it was an actual mess it's insane why any of these people stayed I do not understand then we get this whole thing oh my god we get this whole thing where one of the cuties is talking about how like so his job was to design the box you know the edison box they were very adamant about the machine being this big 
It's got to be this big. And I said, we can't do that. And what would start off as a very serious brainstorming meeting would turn into a two-hour conversation about the name of the cloud that's going to process the information, which I think ended up being Yoda or something. Was it Yoda? I think so. (laughs) So they named it Yoda? Right. (laughs) Which is from Star Wars. So cutie number whoever thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. As does the filmmaker. (laughs) And then just brilliantly, we just cut to this footage of Elizabeth Holmes. And she's being asked a very interesting question. And the question is, what is your favorite sound from Star Wars? Listen, every question these guys ask her sounds like they're trying to gotcha. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Gotcha. Because, don't it hurt you? Because they know what she's going to say. Right. But it's a weird question. Like, what's just say who's your favorite character from Star Wars. Uh Like, why does it have to be sound? So she says Yoda, and Yoda's not a sound. It's a character in Star Wars. Uh, But all right. And then they're like, what does Yoda sound like? Trying to gotcha her and get her to do the voice. And she's like, I'm already doing one fake voice. Don't know if I could swing the second. And then she says in her fake slash real voice, uh, Yoda sounds like do or do not. There is no try. And she laughed. Like everything she says in this interview is almost like she's about to be caught. Like she's giggly and giddy and weirdly like holding back laughter. Uh But it's like, can't you have fun for four seconds? She's insufferable. (laughs) If they're asking you to do an impression of Yoda, you're a geek. Do it. And I say geek with love. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to say Yoda is your favorite sound, then do the sound. Sound is your favorite Yoda. It is, or whatever, right? <laughs> whatever. The paranoia seemed to come from the belief that, like, someone's going to beat us to it or someone's going to steal our ideas or we're not going to get the whole market. There's a healthy degree of paranoia and secrecy, but this was well beyond that. Like, every cult, we start to hear about the paranoia and the oh, secrecy. this is bananas. This is... <laughs> this is, like, this is kind of more where I live. Yeah. I don't need science in Silicon Valley. Give me a cult. Give me a paranoid leader of a cult who's about to have the downfall. Mm, I love it. Take us through it. Delicious. So, Elizabeth and Sonny are getting super paranoid. They're still together. Yeah. So, they're doing that thing that we see so many cult leaders do, where it's, like, trying to keep the minions revved up. Yeah. Where it's, like, we're doing so much good work that right. they're trying to take us down. Right. Yes. And they get them to do this, like, saying fuck you in unison at one of these, like, self-congratulatory summits. And I'm like, ooh, this is Jim Jones? Right. Charles Manson? What's happening? We are going to send a message to Quest Diagnostics. Remember, these are the guys who are after us. And they're attacking the work that you guys are doing. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. One, two, three. Fuck you! And they're so paranoid that, like, there's bulletproof glass installed in Elizabeth's office. They have bodyguards. They're like secret service. They call Elizabeth and and Sunny Eagle One and Eagle Two. Who's Eagle One? Uh, Elizabeth. Of course, of course. Yeah, they're tracking their key card, the employee key card entries and exits, so they know who went where. The receptionist, she's being keystroked, which means that ever there was a software on her computer that everything she typed was logged. Keystroked, you guys. Keystroked. It's just insane. So now it's it's 2013, and Theranos goes live at Walgreens. They have like their wellness centers. Well, this. <laughs> Here's the thing: they don't have the Edison machine. Here's the thing: they don't. No. The Edison machines had problems, and they were to prove by regulators for in-store testing. But Theranos was running out of money and needed the Walgreens deal to attract new investors. So Elizabeth sold Walgreens on a stopgap plan to launch the wellness centers without the Edisons. 
what they're doing is you're going in for your blood work. They're taking your blood and they're sending it off to Palo Alto to, for testing. Right. On regular commercial machines. And Theranos would have this like menu. Right. Like an actual, me- like a menu. Like an like it was like, get hepatitis B, 1050. But the thing is, and I didn't know this, you, you can't just order your own lab test anytime you want. No. So Elizabeth petitions like the lawmakers in Arizona to make it so that people can order their own lab tests. And these lawmakers. These schlubby dudes. These horrible people are like looking at Elizabeth. They're like, you're amazing. He goes, you, ma'am, you are magnificent. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, the look on his face. I know. And she, I, I don't, I don't. Someone explain it to me. I don't understand it. So this passes and now people are able to order their own lab tests. And this doctor, what's her name? Dr. Stephanie. She tells us that that's not a good idea. I understand how a patient would want to order their own labs, but then they get it and they don't know what to do with it or they go on Google and Google everything under the sun and see that they have cancer. So <laughs> when, they don't. when they don't. There's a reason why doctors have to like run your lab tests and tell you the results. Right. And then Theranos makes it worse. And they're just like, we'll just give out vouchers for free labs. And Dr. Stephanie's like, what? No, it was bad enough. Right. Exactly. And there's a commercial for it. I mean, where it's like, and then gift cards right. where the commercial's like, Grandma, we want you to live forever. Right. Here's $125 for Theranos Edison. And it's like, this is horrible. What? It's so ridiculous. So, you guys, we're starting to see cracks in the story, right? And we get the Fortune writer, the guy that put her on the cover of Fortune magazine. Yeah. And he's saying, like, the more I think about it, how is it possible that she is able to do 200 lab tests with one prick of blood? The more I think about it. Right. And, like, and, and how is she able to charge so much less than the competitors? And that is just floated out there. And then we meet John Carey Rue. Is how you say his last name? John, uh, Wall Street Journal John. WSJ John. Yep. Gets a call one day, and it's from a source of his. And the source is saying, hey, did you read that profile in The New Yorker a few weeks ago about that woman who runs that company, Theranos? And John's like, yeah, I actually did. And the guy's like, remember the part where she was asked to explain what her machine does and she was, quote, comically vague? It sounded like the words of a high school chemistry student as opposed to a sophisticated laboratory scientist who'd really invented new science. But I might not have done anything about it if it weren't for the fact that my source was now coming to me with this tip. He said there's a laboratory director who had just left Theranos on pretty bad terms because he had become increasingly concerned about the practices that he had witnessed there. My ears definitely pricked up at that, and so I made contact. The Wall Street Journal guy wants to talk to this guy, wants to get this guy on the record, but this guy's terrified because Theranos has, like, the most famous lawyer in America on their payroll. <laughs> his name is David Boyce. He, if you see his face, you're like, oh, that guy. Yeah. But they, you know, they they call him the most famous litigator in the country. He worked for all these people. But most recently, Harvey Weinstein silencing accusers. So oh. he's a real gem, isn't he? <laughs> That's a garbage bell in case you couldn't hear it. <laughs> And so Theranos hired him, and he's now scaring the shit out, out of anyone who maybe maybe thinks differently or, or, or question the company in any way. Right. He's their muscle. So Wall Street Journal John decides, you know what, I'm going to go to Arizona and get myself tested. He goes to one of the wellness, like the Theranos wellness centers at a Walgreens, and he talks about the nurse coming at him with a needle like it's a sword. He also calls a tourniquet a tourniquet. <laughs> and I'm like, I know you, you work for the Wall Street Journal, but my God, a tourniquet? But the point is, he was expecting the Theranos finger prick. That's the whole thing. That's the whole point. 
So we've got New Yorker Ken, the other guy writing about her, mm-hmm. on the phone with her saying like... So my question is, what percentage of your tests are needle rather than finger prick? I, I, I don't have a really good number for you because it's changing. Yeah, and we're really confident being able to say that we're very close to 99% being on capillary. But when you try to pinpoint a number... Are we talking you, about in the next five years, one year, two months? Oh, uh, much less than a year. Without question. So now we're back at Theranos, and now all of the former employees are spilling that tea. (laughs) Because now they're just like, oh, no, no, we were lying and faking science. Right. That's why you're here, right? With the cameras and the lights and everything. We see Tyler, and Tyler's taking us through this whole thing where they're faking the numbers, they're lying to people about their syphilis tests. Yes. If 100 people who had syphilis came and got tested on the Theranos devices... We would only tell 65 of them that they had syphilis, and we would tell the other 35, you're healthy, no need for medical intervention. So if people are testing themselves for syphilis using Theranos, there's going to be a lot more syphilis in this world. And this, Erica says that she's like, I had no faith in the test. I wouldn't let my mother or my kids or my family come and get tested here. Why am I certifying these results? Why am I involved in that? Right. So among the many people who are jumping ship because they can't look at, their, at themselves in the mirror, uh-huh. Tyler and Erica. Yeah. They know the truth and they're out. They're out. And Tyler, Tyler, you know, remember his grandfather is George Schultz. Yeah. One of the most important people on Elizabeth's board. Mm-hmm. And he goes to his grandfather with like the data. The receipts. Right. He's got the receipts. Yeah. I went to my grandfather's office at Stanford and I actually showed him a lot of data and the discrepancy between what I was seeing and what was being published and the explanation for those differences but he didn't really seem to believe what I was saying and he said like Elizabeth has told me that Theranos really can do all the things that it says it can do Theranos is you know more accurate gonna change the world they're trying to convince me that you're stupid they can't convince me that you're stupid but they can convince me that you're wrong and I do think that you're wrong so Move on with your life. Can you imagine not siding with your grandson who, like, has scientific evidence in front of you? Right, exactly. Like, that's, like, think about that, you guys. This is crazy. So, this kid is not a hot dummy. He's a hot smarty. Yeah. He gets a call from Wall Street Journal John. Mm -hmm. So, Tyler, this rich-ass kid, Tyler, has to get a burner phone that he pays for in cash and calls this Wall Street Journal guy back to, like, spill the tea. Right. So, this Wall Street Journal guy then, like, with the information from Tyler, writes an email to Elizabeth Holmes and the board saying, like, these are the accusations against you. And they figure out that Tyler is the source because there's a number in this Wall Street Journal guy's email that's the exact same number that Tyler had also written to Elizabeth as a concern before he quit. About a month after that, I went to go have dinner with my parents. I walk in the door and my dad says, have you been speaking to a Wall Street Journal reporter? And I said, yes. (laughs) And he said, well, they know. He's like, yeah, can we can we save the world? Because right, exactly. like Theranos certainly isn't doing it. And then Erica has this insane story. This is terrifying. Because Erica's been talking too. Erica has a new job. She's working late because she's a very studious hard worker. Yes. Good for you, Erica. Yeah. And her like coworkers are going to leave for the night. And they're like, oh, girl, before we go, there's a guy that's been sitting in the parking lot next to your car all day long. So because these coworkers are amazing, they yeah. like all walk her to her car. This guy jumps out of the car and hands her this very very strongly worded letter from <laughs> asshole Aww. litigator David Boys. If you don't come forward with X, Y, and Z document or report these people, there's the potential that we could sue you. It was quite, quite scary for me, especially coming from a position of what I was 23 at that point 
you know, I, I have had n not really any money to spend on lawyers or anything. I was really freaked out. So now we get this this audio of the lawyers for Theranos. They agree to come to the Wall Street Journal for a meeting. And the Wall Street Journal guy realizes when, like, David Boyes walks in, this other high-powered lawyer who was, like, an aide to Hillary Clinton yeah. walks in. They sit down in the conference room, and he's like, this was not an interview. This was a deposition. Right, because they just all start screaming at each other. Yeah. It just feels like you want us to give you the formula for Coke in order to convince you that it doesn't contain arsenic. Nobody's asked for the formula of Coke. We're looking you know? for, a, for a generic explanation. You don't know how they do it. Well, to, to I, believe... And Wall Street Journal John's like, this is awesome. I it, got him. I got him. Right, because he says the more that they pushed back, the more I knew I was on the right track. Right. Nothing tells you that you have a great story. Like two of the fucking most famous lawyers in the world come right. into your conference room. Just play it cool. Right. <laughs> Can you not be screaming like you're out of a few good men for right. four seconds? Right. <laughs> So after all of this, Tyler, two cameras, like, so my parents spent, give or take, $500,000 in legal fees. Yeah, and so Erica, who doesn't just have $500,000, she learns that she can, like, be a whistleblower, and then she'll be protected. And she was like me, where she's like, I, I can do what, how? Right. I can ooh, I can be a whistleblower and be protected? Sign me up. Where is this agency, this I regulatory know. agency? I how know. do I do this? And then we get this, this amazing shot of her writing this email, and we hear snippets of the email where yeah. she's just letting them have it. To send or even write this letter, Theranos takes confidentiality and secrecy to, to an extreme play. level that has always, always happened in a clinical lab. But what I went really on in Theranos was complete negligence and honestly felt criminal in many ways. Upper level management constantly made excuses for their misgivings, but they continue to still process patient samples using their finger sticks. But then cut to a party at Theranos because the FDA has approved, it sounds like the FDA has approved the whole Edison machine. Because at first I was like, that really makes me question the FDA, y'all. Right. What <laughs> is happening? And they're having this party. What's the song they're playing? You can't, can't touch, touch this. this. You can't touch this. So she's another self-congrat. It's the same stage that she was right. when she was applauding for herself yeah. earlier in the documentary. She comes out and she does the stupid white girl dance. She's right. like trying to dance so you can't touch this. So what do you guys think about the FDA clerk? approved one test. They right. approved one rarely used test for herpes. Right. That's what they. That's what this party is for. Right. But she, remember, they promised two hundred tests. They approved one. A, yeah, a prototype. You could do a test of it, like right. a test of a test. You can't right. do it for the public. No. Hell no. <laughs> but again, they're acting. They're just deceiving everybody. You can't touch this. Get out of here. Right. So, like, long story short, Walgreens like closes all the Theranos locations. Yeah, the FDA bans it. Right. And the Wall Street Journal piece is published. And this changes everything. The day it's published where it like shakes this whole world. Because at one point someone's like, Elizabeth Holmes is one of the most famous people on the planet. I'm like, that's interesting because I just learned her name a week ago. <laughs> so what does that say about me? Um, but the day it, it, it breaks, the story breaks, she's at Harvard getting some like honorary doctorate or some bullshit. And that's when our friend from Fortune Magazine really comes to terms with the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> Obviously, I called Theranos and tried to speak to Elizabeth and was told that she was going to be unavailable all day. She was being inducted into the Harvard Medical School Board of Fellows. And um, I was just uh, stunned. I, I was thinking in my mind, you know, the Wall Street Journal has just said that you're a fraud and that your company is a fraud and the company I put on the cover of our magazine is a fraud. 
and you're going to spend the whole day hiding out at this uh, at this uh, honorary horseshit. You know, you need to get out here and go through this article, paragraph by paragraph, explaining what the fuck's going on at your at your company. He's like this bullshittery yeah. that you have going on over here. <laughs> and he gets mad because he's like, look, I was duped. And good for him for being honest and being in this documentary to yeah. say, like, I fell for it, too. Like, Everyone was duped. I put her on the cover of our ma- The first woman yeah. is a fraud totally. that we put on the cover of our magazine. The big downfall of Theranos is when this oversight organization called CMS, they do a surprise inspection. They come in. They see that everything is inaccurate. All the blood tests are bad. They shut Theranos down because they say that it can cause serious injury, harm, or death. It's amazing that none of those 800 employees actually got stabbed by... I know. It's amazing that none of them actually sued her for... I I can't even be malpractice because she's not a doctor. (laughs) And this raid all was after Erica's email. It was Erica's email that brought down Theranos. It's amazing. You know, in the end, for me, it was a bit of a mixed feeling. I was really excited because the truth finally got out, but then also a bit of sadness in the fact that... Um, you know, we all really wanted that project to succeed. Honestly, she truly doesn't think she did anything wrong. To this day, Elizabeth Holmes is just like, right. yeah, I'll get there. Right, and then, you know, she's go- doing the rounds on the TV shows, and she her whole excuse is that she didn't run the lab. So all of the problems with the company were in the lab, and she wasn't running the lab. Guess who has shit to say about it? Uh, Dr. Phyllis yeah. is <laughs> like, don't blame anyone else. You have controlling shares in that company, Elizabeth Holmes. The buck stops there. People make mistakes. But... You must always admit it. And then she tells us her husband's favorite expression. Oh, God. (laughs) My husband's favorite phrase. Excuses are like assholes. Everyone has one. Sorry, you don't have to put that in there. Say that like like. Have you heard this? Have you seen about right. this? Like everyone knows that expression. But Queen Doctor Phyllis gets a pass. She's like, you don't have to use that. And of course, the, doc, the filmmakers are like, bitch, you know I'm. Using I know. It. I thought that was gonna be actually like. I'm gonna that. play that on a loop. Right. Exactly. And then you know, it ends with on-screen text. We find out that by 2017, Theranos spent almost all of the 900 million it had raised. Over 300 million of that was spent on legal fees. 300 That's million dollars. That's unbelievable. Uh, Henry Kissinger, George Shultz, and David Boys all resigned from the board because duh bye girl and then in 2018 Theranos was dissolved Elizabeth and Sunny were charged with conspiracy and fraud they pled not guilty but do you and we don't know what like it's just ongoing it's ongoing right now like she's waiting for her trial Elizabeth Holmes is going to jail okay Come see us at our Pride show. <gasps> it's going to be amazing. Tickets are going real fast. Yep. We're almost sold out. Uh, June 29th, New York City. We're covering the Stonewall documentary. We've hired our drag queens. We hired our comics to open for us. It's going to be my It's gonna be my favorite show. You guys, it's a 600-seat theater. Come meet your fellow TCO fam. Hang out. Uh, come on the Pride tours. I'm doing that morning. Uh, so get your tickets to that. You guys, check out our Patreon if you want more of us. And who could blame you? I mean. Our episode-by-episode coverage of Serial, The Staircase, Making a Murderer, The Jinx. Yep. All of our bonus apps. It's like 81 episodes episodes the second you sign up. Yeah, and Lorraine is up next, so get on it. I'm dying to hear what you have to say about this. Great, (laughs) because I'm not holding back. And uh, while you're thinking about it, you guys rate us on iTunes. Write one sentence about what you love about us. It'll mean the world to me. What you love. What you love. The thing you love the most. What you love. 
Uh, girl, what are we doing next? Southwest of Salem. You guys asked for it. You Here guys have been go. asking for it for a long time, so we're going to do it. Yeah. It is about a group of women who are falsely convicted of a horrible, heinous crime. Yeah. And we're going to drag everyone awful in it. Yeah. Well, that's, what, that's what we do, girl. Welcome to True Crime Obsessed. Yes. <laughs> girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed on the Twitter, at True Crime Obsessed Podcast on the Instagram, and truecrimeobsessed.com. You get episodes. You have promo codes. You have merch. You have it all. You're all, you guys. Uh, where can they find you? At Jillian with a G on all the things. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram, at Patrick Hines on the Twitter. You guys, this week's palate cleanser, again, picked by Steve Tipton, in honor of Elizabeth Holmes' low voice, we're Ooh. doing something from Applause, starring Anne Bancroft. <laughs> Steve is nailing it. Yeah. We love you. We love you. Thanks so much for hanging out. Yeah, we'll see you later. Bye. 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 Is that creepy? Satanic cults. Satanic ritual abuse has become the fastest growing and most controversial psychological phenomenon in the country. It's a modern twist to an ancient story. Investigated their world of covens and sacrifices. This case is probably the last gasp of the satanic ritual abuse panic. Allegations were made that four young women had gang-raped these two little girls. My attorney said that I would lose. Nobody wants to go against a child. The whole scenario sounds like a porn movie, a man's version of what women do in their spare time. They got on the bed and they started touching me. What did they say? They were silent. It's too bizarre. It's almost dreamlike. The case, it went off track in about every way you could. According to the people in court, this is what gay people do. No. A little kid. If this was an easy case, someone would have snapped it up a long time ago. These are people's lives. How did this get past the media, the jury, the appeals process, their defense lawyers? Until we get the exoneration, we won't actually be free of any of this. The modern version of the witchcraft trials. Can't make any promises what you get here on TCO, but you're getting something. You're getting a podcast. It's true. At the very least. You're welcome. You're world. getting our voices recorded into your podcast feed. Take it or leave it. <laughs> and I'm a big believer in science. You know how much I love science. Of course, me too. I just look, I believe that the earth is two thousand years old and is completely flat, but I also believe in science. Where is she? Where's my girl? There she is. Oh, it's stuck. Oh no! You broke the bell! It looks like Daisy's got her hands on this a little bit. There's something a little sticky on there. It's broken. Come back to clap if you believe. Clap. Clap if you believe. What if this gay voice was just completely put on and I honestly sounded like this in real life? I would get up and leave. I would. There would be a me-shaped hole in the door and I'd be like, Mike, my whole world has been a Wait, I feel like I'm doing a good Elizabeth Hall. I was going to say, wait a second. Now there's two of you. So Queen Dr. Phyllis is back for one quick second to say that Elizabeth wasn't really into scientific advice. No. no. She had no use for it. <laughs> she had a bunch of rich old men throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at her. Who needs science? Make it rain, Holmes. 
talking? You set up your own grandson, you, you idiot. Right. What are you talking about? And then he says that his wife was going to chase the guy out with an iron. And I'm like, please don't say blow poke. Because he's like, I, he's like, he's, she's going to get that thing from the, uh, the fireplace. And I'm like, I can't. I left the blow poke land long ago at the staircase. Don't make me go back. Please don't say Don't make me go back, please. I feel groggy and weary and tragic. Punchy and bleary and fresh out of magic. But alive. But alive, but alive. I feel twitchy and bitchy and manic. Calm and collected and choking with panic. But alive, but alive, but alive. I'm a thousand different people. Every single one is real. I'm a million different feelings. Okay, but at least I feel. And I feel rotten, you're covered with roses Younger than springtime and older than Moses Frisky as a lamb Lazy as a clown Crazy, but I am As Gibraltar and shaky as Jello, but alive, but alive, but alive. I feel half Tijuana, half Boston, partly Jane Fonda and partly Jane Austen, but alive. That's the thing, but alive. This kaleidoscope of feelings whirls around inside my brain. I admit I'm slightly cuckoo, but it's dull to be too sane. And I feel brilliant and brash and bombastic, limp as a puppet and simply fantastic, but alive, but alive. 